Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Good morning. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Lisa Goich. Lisa is the author of the memoir, 14 Days, A Mother, A Daughter, A Two-Week Goodbye. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. Lisa, what made you decide to write this book? Um, I, well, when, when my mom was um, sick, um, I was, I I don't want to say blogging, I was Facebooking little segments about her health during the time that she was sick. And um, it was a two-week period. And every day, you know, family and friends around the country, people kept calling and asking how she was doing. And I thought a quick way to keep everybody posted was just to post a little thing on Facebook every day, you know, so that they knew where she stood and and everything like that. So... um, as the days went by, I think the post got to be a little bit more poetic, you know, in their structure. And people kept saying, keep writing these, keep writing these. We love to hear these. And then people would start leaving my mom messages. Uh, you know, I mean, she was getting 200 plus messages per day. And I would read them to my mom. She loved that. You know, my mom knew nothing from Facebook. You know, she was <laughs> she was 85 years old. She did not have a Facebook account. She didn't know anything about it. And so for her to see the instant response from people um, right there, you know, was quite something to her. And she kept saying, read me. Did they write me yet? Did they write me yet? Did anybody write me yet? <laughs> and um, so I started, uh, you know, I would read her every day, her responses. And, and then, um, uh, you know, all the way up to the very end, all the way up to her funeral, I wrote and wrote and wrote. So, um after it was all over, somebody had suggested to me, you know, you should really turn those into a book. Those were pretty great. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if it, those could ever be a book. They were just, you know, little short updates. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure how, how that could turn into a book. But about a year after that, um, I started thinking about it. And I went back onto Facebook, which fortunately you, you can do. And um, I gathered together every single thing I had written, wrote them down, made an outline and um, thought, you know what, I could fill in these holes and this might make a nice little book, um, you know, to share with other people who are going through something similar. So that's pretty much how it, how it happened. And it, and as, because it's a 14 day thing, you know, it, it, Mm -hmm. um, it lent itself perfectly to an outline, you know, that was like, it was the perfect just time span and, and it, you know, it, it worked. It worked. It did. I really, I loved how you had each chapter was a day, you know, from the beginning of her hospice care in home where you're taking care of her until her last day. And I kind of, I loved that structure because you kind of went through the book and, and saw how things changed from day to day and what, and what to expect. I kind of thought this is really a great, a great book to give um, to somebody that, that is going to be experiencing hospice care to really know what to expect. And, and there was so much humor infused in it too, which was great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was a, 
You know, I tried to be funny because my mom was funny. You know, people. Mm-hmm. Can see, I, that's what I really want to stress to people is this is not just a really sad book about death. No, um, exactly. It's really, it's really more a book about life. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, I, I, it was really important to me to make sure that it was funny because my mom w- was, you know, um, a funny lady, and um, <laughs> yeah, she would have, she would have not wanted it any other way. It's very funny because my boss just bought um, the book uh, this past weekend. She got it, and her daughter is 16, and she started reading the book, and the daughter said something like, Mom, Lisa swears in here. And (laughs) it it was funny only because, you know, my mom was, you know, she she would throw a wet round swear words, you know, a lot, and um, not that she meant them, in any particular way. It wasn't like she talked like a sailor, just sometimes she peppered her language with uh, colorful um, words. And, um, <laughs> so I thought it would have done her and the book a great disservice had I not thrown some of those in. I mean, it's not a whole book about, in my, you know, it's, also let me say it's not a book all about swearing, but there are a couple no. swear words in there. And I just felt that it would only paint my mom, um, you know, in the proper light if I threw some of those in. So um, um, sometimes they're funny because, you know, she just, if you would have seen her, she was like four foot nine um, <laughs> toward the end there and um, a very tiny lady, 70 pounds. And, um, you know, it's just, it it just, it, 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 it makes her what she is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed it because you could really feel her personality and yours coming through and how, how much alike the two of you were. And, uh, yeah, it was great because, I mean, it was the perfect balance of humor and a little bit of tears and then you'd laugh again. So it really is sort of like this beautiful celebration of her life. It's like um, pretty much like a legacy that will live on even past you having it in book form, which is so beautiful. Mitch Album Oh, I hope so. Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Mitch Album um, wrote the foreword for the book, and actually the book starts with his foreword, which is the eulogy he wrote for your mom. How did that end up coming about? Well, when um, the book, I open open the book with my mom um, asking, she wanted Mitch to write her a eulogy. she was like, you know, I want Mitch to write me a eulogy. And I'm like, well, mother, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable asking people for things. I, and just mm-hmm. for a little backstory, I worked, I worked with Mitch Album and still do um, <clears throat> for many years on his radio show. And um, um, I was a sidekick on his show, producer. I've done a million things since day one of his show. I, I, I was there on board mm-hmm. the very first day the show um, was on air. And um, so... You know, my mom grew to lo- know Mitch. Mitch grew to know my mom and love my mom. And, you know, it was a great little thing we had going there, um, all of us. <laughs> and so my mom was like, you know, do you think Mitch could write me something? I'm like, Mother, I'm not going to ask him that. I just, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable asking him. And um, as it turns out, one day he called and, um, you know, just to check on my mom, how was she doing? And I told her, you know, she's. She's not doing very well, and it's been very hard for us and all this stuff. And he's like, well, let me know if there's anything you want me to do. Do you want me to write something for her? Do you think she would like that? And I said, oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) How funny that you should ask because, yes, 
that's exactly what she wants. And so in the end, I didn't have to ask him anyway. You know, he he um, yeah. he volunteered it, and it was perfect, and um, uh, it was great, you know. Well, it was certainly, I mean, I think it was just so beautiful to open the book that way, and, and your mom was so excited about it, as you speak about in the book, reading it to her uh, was pretty emotional. How was the book received by the rest of your family members, your siblings and... Um, so far, so good. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, my sister, my sister was with me through it, the, you know, pretty much the whole time. Um, uh, during the writing, I would, you know, throw her things and, and, you know, see if she thought that they were accurate. And, you know, she sort of served as my sounding board during the writing process. Mm-hmm. So, so she, she's been with me through it, through it all. Um, my brother and I, um, if you read the book, you know, there was a little bit of, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit of, yeah, conflict between and, my brother and I yeah. at the beginning. <clears throat> and I was very, I was very nervous about putting that out there and about saying mm-hmm. anything because, you know, it was conflict and it wasn't like, you know, it it wasn't my brother was a bad person or I was a bad person or anything. It's just that when things like this happen, things like that happen. You know, um, when people die, people fight. Families uh, don't agree. And you think that they will agree, but they don't agree. So there were um, a couple of uh, moments during that time period where things got pretty heated. Um, Some I left out because I just didn't think that they were necessary for the story, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, But some things I felt were important to put in. So the the only relationship thing I think that might you know, that that made me nervous about having a family member read with my brother's stuff. But I sent him a manuscript early on. It was slightly different than what the book turned out to be in the end. But, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was really the only thing I was worried about. I didn't want him to think that I was making him to, out to be a bully, which I wasn't. I don't think. I think I, I, think I crafted it okay. But, um, you know, that, that was a little nerve-wracking for me. And, you know, other family members, you're throwing people out there, you know, I mm-hmm. talk about my sister in the book, and um, I talk about, you know, when we had to first administer morphine for my mom. Um, that yes. was a touchy day for all of us, and nobody wanted to do it. And I think I was fearing that the day we gave her morphine was the day she was going to die, and I didn't want to go through that quite mm-hmm. yet. I wasn't ready. And so, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth between my sister and I there, but it it was okay. And I I know in memoir, it's a very difficult thing for people to write about living people. Um, Yes. uh, And it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I read about and that I learned about. And in the end, what I learned um, was that you have to be truthful. So, and Mm -hmm. it's your truth. It's not somebody else's truth. It's how did you see it? How was your truth? And how do you write this truth without you know being too hurtful to somebody else so exactly that's that's what i hoped to do so once you had the book completed did you query agents the traditional way like write to agents and ask them for representation or how did you how did you approach the process well when i was first you know when i was writing my book first of all i worked with a writing coach which is something that even, you know, I, I have a writing background and I was a copywriter for many years. I was a journalism major. Uh, you know, I have a pretty strong writing background. 
But a friend of mine um, is a writing coach for authors and for writers. And she lives in Amsterdam now, but she does everything remotely. And she has a great program. Um, uh, her name is Deborah Reber. And um, she she is she's a master at what she does at coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I had the pieces of the book all together, I came to her with my pieces. We helped, um, she helped me form a proposal and also put the pieces of the book in a logical fashion so that they made mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, she had me come up with my little elevator pitch for the book. She had me, you know, really hone everything down. And I have to say that that was really, really valuable in having the thing formed properly because before you go out and start pitching your book, it's really, really important that all of those things are together and good, you know, because you kind of only, you have one pitch to, to the person, to each person mm-hmm. you're pitching to, right? And yeah, exactly. you want it to be good. So I think I felt quite confident going into it. You know, I mean, the, from the moment I wrote my query letter to, you know, the last period that I placed on my proposal, I was really confident going in that, you know, as long as somebody got my story, um, you know, and that they understood it and that they felt it, that I didn't think that there was anything more that I could have done uh, as far as my proposal went. So um, once we had that all ready, I was just ready to start sending it out and to start finding agents when a girlfriend of mine um, who was a producer at CNN, years ago we had met doing that through radio. And uh, she, I had sent her an early copy of my book. She had gone through the same thing with one of her parents right before it, I should say right at the same time my mom died. So um, I thought she would be a good audience to, to try to, you know, to read the manuscript and see. She loved the book, loved the book, and um, uh, fortunately for me. And she wrote a letter to an agent, uh, and it was the most glowing letter you could ever imagine. She oh. copied me, She copied me on the letter, and... Uh, I didn't even know she was going to be doing this. Like, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> she, seriously, I woke up one morning and I'm like, what is this letter? Whoa, whoa. This is, is I wasn't even sure she was writing about me. It was that great. Like, you couldn't even <laughs> believe that somebody could write somebody so great, something so great for you. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, so she wrote the letter and um, within, I don't even know, half a day, the agent wrote back and said, oh my gosh, now I have to see this book. And um, uh, that's the that's the backstory right there. I sent her my proposal. I sent her my book, and um, uh, she took me on. So that was the um, I never even had to send out a letter. It was crazy. Uh, I know that it doesn't always work out that way, but mm-hmm. for me, um, I yeah. was blessed to have it worked out so quickly. I mean, I, I could have I could have said, you know what, let me try to query a few other people to see what else, but I just felt good about it. I felt good about the way that it happened. I felt good that, you know, my friend Wendy um, felt so strongly about this person and then felt strongly about the book, and I just thought this is where it's supposed to be. Mm. Do you think, is there anything you wish you kind of had known before you signed any sort of contract with your publisher and agent that you could maybe offer to our listeners as advice? 
Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm really bad with contracts. And when you <laughs> I don't I don't know many writers who are really good with contracts. We don't want to know that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like no, exactly. I just want to write my book and I want my book to be printed and I want it to look pretty. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much all I care about, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with doing my taxes, um, with, you know, going to an accountant every year and counting receipts. And it's to me it it, it falls into that same batch of things that I just hate doing. And um, I, I just, I, I hated that process so much because you never know if you're getting a good deal or if you're not getting a good deal or if, you know, I have a sort of a non-traditional deal and I don't really want to get into that, but um, my, mm-hmm. my deal is a little bit less traditional than most, but I think in yeah. the long run it's good. Um, you know, it's a good deal, but it's something that I'm always, you know, you're always unsure of. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I advise to people is there's a fine line between talking to people about what to expect mm-hmm. during the process and then talking to people and comparing what you have to what they have. Don't do that. Because exactly. after you've signed contracts and you have things figured out, and then you hear somebody else say, "Well, that's not what you should have. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be net. It mm. should be gross. It should be." I'm like, ah, I don't even know what that means. I don't <laughs> want to know what that means. You know, I, you know, it it just gets to be a thing where you start doubting your deal, and you start doubting what you have, and you start yeah. doubting, you know, the path that you took, and really just embrace the path that you have, and and be thankful that you have a publishing deal, and be thankful that things are what they are. Because, Absolutely. you know, you can go online and read a thousand horror stories about people Absolutely. and their publishers. And um, uh, so I would just say my, my advice is going into it, you know, read your contract. If you have to get a lawyer or somebody to read through your contract for you, make sure that it's sealed and you feel confident with it. That's really mm-hmm. important. And, um, um, you know, make sure that somebody that may know more about that feels confident <laughs> with it explains Absolutely. to you the things that need to be explained and that you go in feeling good um, because you just you don't want any doubt in the end you, because that doesn't make for a good relationship at all. And yeah. um, uh, so, that's all I would say to people. Yeah. So in terms of promotion, you know, a lot of authors expect that the publisher will take care of the promotion of the book, but authors are really responsible for the majority of their promotion and their advertising what have you done to promote the book that you found has been the most successful? Well, I have to say that doing things like this are great. You know, mm-hmm. um, you think that, oh, I need a big review, you know, in the New York Times, and that's going to catapult my book. Or I need, you know, Oprah. Okay, I'm not going to not want Oprah. But, um, <laughs> you know, but... It's it's really every tiny step along the way that that is great for your book, you know, and all the different audiences that that you can go for. Um, for me in particular, I found that my greatest audience is exactly my audience. And how lucky are we to live in a day of social networking when we can find message boards and blogs about grief and uh you know things that that are exactly the the subject matter for our book you know i i i lived i i worked in advertising for for 15 years as a copywriter mm-hmm. and you know i can remember you know the media team you know talking you know about demographics and 
and trying to target certain markets and women, you know, ages whatever, 18 to 35. And, and, and you know, when you would t- take a commercial on a broad-ranging radio show, you know, a morning mm-hmm. radio show in some market, you know, y- your target within that market is very small. It, when you yes. come to think about it, you know, whether you're selling toothbrushes or whether you're, you know, writing a book. So what I've found is so beneficial is doing shows like this, which is exactly targeted to writing and to mm-hmm. books, to do blog posts for, which I've done tons of essays and stuff on grief, on those final 14 days on hospice, on, um, you know, I had my dog Angie with me at the time. Um, and she had gone through um, hospice dog training uh, for just prior to us doing this. She had had gotten her uh, her therapy dog training certification, oh. and we were going to go into helping hospice patients. And this was before I even knew my mom was heading in this direction. So oh, wow. uh, I've written, yeah, I've written pieces on that, and and it's been really. Those are the things that are really helpful for writers, you know, to write your way into different essays in different markets so that, you know, I think it's just, mm-hmm. I think it's very helpful. Uh, and it's been, it's been a great way to promote the book for me. Um, I'm sure there's other stones that I've yet to unturn, but, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, or turn over, but, but I think that uh, so far so good, knock on wood. But if Oprah, yes. To, uh, have my book in her uh, magazine that'd be awesome i would be i would welcome that um, you know as we all would uh but uh it's it's hard i have to say too that it's it's really hard promoting your book you think that it's going to be easy but mm-hmm. you know after a while you start feeling like a broken record at least i do i'm not really good at selling my own stuff uh <laughs> it, it it may seem that way on the outside but i really hate it i hate saying to people, buy this, you know, buy mm-hmm. my book. Um, yeah. I would rather it just sit out on a table and you find it and <laughs> that it resonates with you and you tell a friend. That would be the ultimate. It, you can't in this day and age. You have to really sell, sell, sell because walk into any bookstore and look around and you're going to feel really overwhelmed um, mm-hmm. by the sheer amount of books that are out there. And uh, to make yours sing and to make yours be noticed, you know, you have to do everything you possibly can. And no, publishers don't help you, um, not to the extent that you think that they would. And yes. um, it really is It really is up to you. Uh, I mean, I'm sure yes. that there are some publishers that work hard with their, their clients, but I think mm-hmm. that every deal is different and everybody is different. So, Absolutely. Um, well, and now yeah. with so much social media, you really have to hustle your own work out there and really sell yourself, which like, as you said, can be very difficult, but it's really important for authors now to understand that we really have to get our work out there and we have to be our own best salesman. (laughs) That's the truth, and it's hard because that's sometimes not a skill set that some people are comfortable with, you know. Um, Perhaps it's because I was in advertising for a long time and I was in talk Mm -hmm. radio. It's not hard for me to do some of the things that I have to do, but I think about the people who don't have that background. You know, they just want to be writers. They don't want to have to be out there, you know, singing their own praises. Um, it's not It's not easy. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you don't want to drop the ball, but you also don't want to be shoving your book down people's 
throats every day. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, some, sometimes I feel that's what I'm doing, you know, and I'll, I'll have to say apologetically, uh, you guys, you know, it's almost <laughs> Christmas and, you know. You know, this 10 coffees would be a great idea. <laughs> right. It's perfect size. It's six by six. It makes a great well, stocking is. stuffer, kind of, if you like it that is. kind of thing. <laughs> it's so, even the cover's beautiful. It's a picture for our listeners. Uh, when you look it up, you'll see the picture on the front cover is you and your mom fist bumping each other, giving each other a fist bump. For uh, yes. Nobody says goodbye. <laughs> we just say see you later. Yeah, we just say see you later. My mom learned that in the hospital right before she came home from hospice. And um, a, t- a tech, you know, she was getting like a CAT scan or something. In a tech, when she was leaving, my mom uh, said goodbye. And this guy said, ah, 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 ah. Yeah. around here, we don't say goodbye. We say see you later. And uh, he uh-huh. fist bumped my mom. He took her hand and he showed her. And she was like, she was just thrilled with whatever that little fist bump thing was that she learned. So the last two weeks of her life, every single time somebody would come over, she would fist bump them. And um, she fist bumped all the way up to the very, very end. Uh, it was a trick she loved and learned, and, and um, it was it was special. So at one point, I just took a picture of us doing that. I had no idea what was going to happen, you know. Um, I just thought it was funny at the moment because mm-hmm. she she thought it was so cute, you know. So. Yeah. I took this picture, which fortunately I took it with my phone, and it was one of the most clear pictures I've ever taken in my life. Um, and who <laughs> knew where it would go? You know, I, I had no idea taking that, what, what it would turn into and what it would mean and where it would go. But it, it yeah. really became the cornerstone for my book. So, Well, it was beautiful. And on that note, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. And I will not say goodbye. We will definitely say see you later. Lisa Goich can be found online at 14daysofmemoir.com. That's numerically 14daysofmemoir.com. Her memoir can be found online and in bookstores near you. Please do make sure you order your copy and leave a review on Amazon and Goodreads. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to get your work published as we speak with John Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Visit com and sign up for my newsletter to receive updates and bonus Q&A material from our guests. Thank you for listening today. Have a beautiful day ahead. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.